Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau. On today's episode, I'm joined by Bram Hillsman, host of the popular Warriors podcast, Warriors Huddle. We discuss the financial repercussions of the NBA shutdown and how they could impact Golden State's decision-making going forward. Bram, thank you so, so much for joining me on Warriors Awkward. This is a little bit of a, a, a role reversal because I've been on Warriors Huddle for, what, three or four years now, a regular guest. You've been the host, and I figured, you know what, let's, let's change things up. Let's have you as the guest. Thank, thank you so much for joining me. Well, I can't tell you how much I appreciate the opportunity, and I also can't tell you how awkward I'm already feeling. You know I don't like new things, Connor, and I like I'm kind of a control freak. I like to dictate pace. So I hope it's not weird that I'm already sweating profusely. I mean, well, you know, we'll get through this together, man. It is what it is. Yeah, I mean, this, this job is easy. You just answer questions. You know, being the host is a hard part. Uh, you know, I, I, my job is done. I could leave now. Now that I've elicited that, I think, straightforward compliment, I feel like we've done everything we need to accomplish, and we can just wrap it up. <laughs> that might be the closest I've ever come to giving you a compliment. Um, but, no, no, seriously, though, I love your I love your podcast. Anyone who's listening, if you don't already listen to Warriors Huddle, do so now. It's a must-listen. Um, so people would think that there's not a lot to talk about right now, right? We're in the doldrums of this quarantine. I'm at the point now where I can't do a weekly mailbag because when I ask for questions, I'm getting the exact same questions I got the previous week, which is understandable. Hopefully, hopefully understandable from the same person, too, just sending you the same question over and over again. And that, that person is me, Connor, and whatever. I just want you to acknowledge that I have There actually that. is a guy who has asked me every week about Jonathan Simmons when I already <laughs> answered his his first Jonathan Simmons question, who's who is a player for the Santa Cruz Warriors. I answered that question like a month ago, and I'm still getting that same question. So I just want to send him the link. Uh, I already answered your question, bro. Uh, you know, what's awesome about the quarantine, man, is that, you know, week one, you get a little frustrated with Jen or Jonathan Simmons' questions. Week five, you're really frustrated. Week 18, you're just hella fired up to have somebody writing you. You should be thanking that dude for hitting you up for, you know, on Jonathan Simmons' information. But, but I digress, man. But you're right. There, even though it seems like we're in the doldrums, it feels like there is stuff to, to kind of dig into. Definitely. Um, and as I wrote yesterday, uh, I wrote I wrote a story kind of outlining outlining the financial repercussions uh, of this quarantine for the Warriors. And I got a lot of emails today from angry readers saying, you know, how can you how can you act like the Warriors are, are victims and all this when people are getting laid off and getting furloughed? And look, I'm not trying to compare the situations. I mean, at the end of the day. The Warriors are a multi-billion-dollar company. The the players are million making millions of dollars a year. I'm not asking anyone to feel sorry for them. I know you read the story. Did you did you get that takeaway that I was trying to act like they need to be uh, they need to have sympathy? No. What I took away from it is you are continuing to analyze things from a sporting angle. Right now, sports are not being played. There's not a lot of sports topics that we can seize on and, and jump down deep rabbit holes. And I know that goes against what I was just saying, but what I, what I mean is, is there's not a lot of things that require the type of analysis that your article jumped into. And it wasn't a matter of making the Warriors a victim. What it was is analyzing, all right, the cap is about to change. That's going to affect all teams. 
one of those teams is your favorite, the Golden State Warriors, speaking to the fans, and here is exactly how it's going to impact them. So I don't think that it made them victims, but I'll tell you what, as both a passionate season ticket holder, which I am, and a supposed kind of dispassionate podcast host, just the information that you were given me, not because I thought it made the Warriors victims, just because of what you were reporting, it sucked me in. I got kind of angry, man. I mean, I was, I was fired up about it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to me, there's a lot of news value because it can actually impact what they do going forward. You know, it, it's going to be something that Joe Lacob and Bob Myers factor into their decision-making. Um, well, for those who, for those of us who haven't read the article, I'll just kind of and read it, get, you bastards. I mean, what do you do? If you're listening to this podcast, the least you could do is read his work. I mean, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> what was it about? Uh, the, the bottom line of it is that, uh, you know, the, the salary cap, the NBA salary cap is based off projected revenue for the, for the, for the following season. So uh, the league and uh, the Players Association get together every year and they set the salary cap based on what they, they think the revenue will be in the following season. Because of everything happened with the, the, the China conflict earlier this year, thank you, Daryl Morey, uh, the, the salary cap was all, already expected to drop from 116 to 115 uh, million for, for next season. And uh, because of how much revenue is going to be lost in, in coming weeks and coming months, uh, you could look at a substantial drop in the salary cap. Now, it's hard to predict exactly what that will be. Obviously, the league and the Players Association will try to mitigate it as much as humanly possible. But, you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe even a billion or so dollars is going to be lost uh, because of this, you know, and if this extends into the summer and they can't play any more playoff games and maybe even extends into next season, you're looking at a true calamity on the league's hands. And, um, you know, you're looking at the salary cap dropping potentially as much as 10 to $15 million, which might not sound like a huge deal, but it's a huge deal for teams already in the luxury tax, which the Warriors are. Uh, so, uh, under the $115 million cap projection, this is straight from our article, Golden State is on track to have a luxury tax bill of $47.7 million. Another $10 million drop in the salary cap, a possibility given the amount of revenue that could be lost, would saddle the Warriors with a $195 million luxury tax bill. In other words, Golden State would spend $15 million more in taxes than on its entire $180 million roster. Right. Right. Well, and i tell you what pisses me off. So those numbers are impressive. But bottom line, I'm not Joe Lacob's accountant. What comes out of their checkbook, what they have to spend, isn't what immediately impacts me. What I care about is what's on the floor, right? And the things in your article, the big, bright, red letters that got my anger up is what that means when the rubber hits the road. If these guys are afraid of that giant tax bill that you just detailed, and by the way, great use of the word calamity. I don't know if I've ever actually been able to throw out calamity in a sentence, and you destroyed it right there, so nicely done. But the things that really caught my eye in your article, one, you suggested they might be willing to give up their top five draft pick because they don't want to be, I assume, saddled with his salary. Two, they may not actually be able to use that $17.2 million trade exception. And three, they may not use the full taxpayer mid-level exception. So oh. you're not just saying that they're in the tax problems. What you're pointing out is that might impact what they're doing on the floor next year. A year, by the way, all of us have just been kind of biding our time, 
waiting for them to get back out there because we assumed all of those things would go in our favor. So, yeah, man, I, it absolutely caught my attention. And, and let's keep in mind, it's not just the salary cap. It's not just the luxury tax. You know, they're, the, the reason the Chase Center was such a huge deal for the Warriors is because they own it. So right. they get right. all the money that the Chase Center generates, which was obviously not the case at Oracle Arena where, where they were just tenants. So, you know, that money they get from the concerts, that money they get from all the – the major events that they have at Chase Center, that's a big deal for their bottom line. And not, they're not only missing out on at least $25 million uh, if, if they don't play these final seven home games, which they almost definitely will not, they're missing out on all that other revenue. And so right. you add that to the luxury tax they're facing, and that's enormous. And keep in mind, Joe Lacob, as aggressive as he has been in spending money, he is actually one of the poorer uh Owners in the league, majority owners in the league. He is bottom ten in the NBA among the huh. teams. Uh, he's not a billionaire. Uh, now the the Warriors are worth four point three billion dollars, but about a quarter of that is from is from the Chase Center. So Chase Center is not open right now. We don't know when it's going to open. There's a very realistic possibility that this could extend into next season. I think if this extends into next season, they re- they seriously have to consider what they're doing going forward. Because, look, the Warriors are not going anywhere. They're not going to go bankrupt. They're going to be fine in the long term. But, you know, can you justify spending more money in taxes than your actual payroll when you're not necessarily guaranteed to be a title contender? Now, I know that they are hopeful that they can return to contention next season. I think they have a chance. There are no guarantees at all with this current roster, at least, that they can do that. Let me give you an angry answer and a disillusioned answer. Let me start with the angry one, and it goes at exactly what you just asked me. You know, it, can it be justified for them to spend those kind of tax dollars on a team that's probably not winning a championship? Here's what I'm angry about, Connor. Two years ago, about two and a half years ago, when I signed up to be a Chase season ticket holder, they started giving me a sense of what I was going to have to pay on season tickets. That year, man, Kevin Durant's still here, right? We all thought that KD would still be here for in this first year. And so this year, when I started paying season tickets, even though the Warriors were the worst team in the league, I knew what I was paying for. I was paying for the promise of them going after a title. It had just fallen apart because KD got hurt and he left, right? And now next year, and this, again, this is before the, uh, the league got suspended and before all these tax implications started popping up, because the uh, because the cap's going down. But what has not shifted at all is the Warriors have not given me a call as a season ticket holder and said, hey, Bram, good news, bad news. Good news, man. Season tickets are going to cost less next year. That's the good news. Bad news, we're not a championship team anymore. We don't, we don't have that kind of aspirations. Our tax uh, implications are too high. So we're just not going to be spending as much money. So we don't think it's fair that you as a season ticket holder should spend that much money. So until I get that call, Connor, until they have decided that the season ticket holders shouldn't pay for a championship-level team, then I'm not real fired up if Lacob's saving money while I am not, right? But yeah. that's, that's just anger. That's just anger. Let me give you a kind of more of a disillusioned one. And I was surprised when you just told me that Lacob is not amongst the richest in the league. And I don't have anything objective to tell you what that's from. It's not like I've ever seen Uber, who's not a majority owner. Technically, a minority owner, 
uh, it makes more money or, or is worth more than Joe Lacob. Okay, and, and here's why I'm disillusioned. What, what you're talking about is just a capitalistic society. They're not going to make as much money, so they can't spend as much money. I get it, and I can't throw that many rocks at them, right? That is what it is. But the vision I had of Lacob before this was, you know, this is like pulling the curtain back on the Wizard of Oz. We had all viewed this savior, this dude who came in, didn't care how much money the team made, was going to be willing to spend every single dollar he had to make them a winner. You know, and that guy, the guy who is light years ahead of everybody else, would have entered this league economic crisis and used it as an opportunity. You know, you bastards don't have enough money? Too bad. We're light years ahead. We had so much. You know, this $17 million trade exception is going to bring in a much better player. And instead, what we're hearing is he's just like everybody else. He's got money problems, and he's not going to be able to put on this cape we all assumed he had. So, you know, to, to kind of put a bow on it, I get it, man. You know, it is what it is. We, we all live within uh, economic realities. But when I read that story, it, it was hard for me. It, it changed my image of who this ownership group is. But the flip side of this is that every team has to deal – with this and there's a lot of teams in the luxury tax and a lot of teams are going to be cash strapped and maybe aren't as close to contention as the Warriors and that could actually help the Warriors in some ways you know they sure. they could get a better player with that 17 million dollar trade exception than they otherwise would for a team that you know is just trying to cut costs and, and save some money they might unload a helpful piece just for you know some salary cap relief and uh, that could end up being a good thing. I, knowing Joe Lacob, I and knowing Bob Myers, I would be surprised if, if they looked at this potential luxury tax and said, you know what, well, let's just wave the white flag. We're not going to be content, contenders. And they started kind of readjusting their expectations. Uh, I think that they feel a lot of pressure over the fact that their core guys are all – in the back end of their prime, you know, right. Draymond Green and Steph Curry and Clay Thompson are all in their 30s now. And so there's there's a window there. There's a small window, um, probably a few years, where they either need to win another one soon or it's not going to happen. And so uh, I think they feel that pressure, and they're going to still do whatever they need to do. But the interesting thing is that Joe Lacob was interviewed by uh, Tim Calcami recently and was asked directly about this. And he he would normally be, be very brash and go out of his way and say, oh, you know, this isn't going to hold us back. We're going to spend whatever. We're going to do whatever it takes to win. He did not say that. He uh, he was very diplomatic in his answer and basically said, you know, we have to consider all options. We have to think about it, which tells you that this is a real concern that they are taking into into account, and this right. is going to at least factor in, into their decision making. Um, so it's it's to me it's the biggest takeaway and the biggest thing that every Warriors fan needs to know about this quarantine is you need, you need the, the Warriors to come back. You need the, the season to start on time next season, not just because you want to see them play, but because you want them to, you know, go hard at contending. Yeah. I mean, you're telling that to me kind of like, I didn't have a 45 minute argument with my wife today about whether or not we could just drive to and from Santa Cruz just so that we could leave the house, man. I mean, yes, we need the Warriors back out there for a million reasons. One of which... You, you wanted to go to Santa Cruz and your wife didn't. 
hundred percent. Yes. And we, we had a, we almost looked up the rules as if the shelter in place rules exist somewhere on CaliforniaGov.com. But I mean, that's the level of argument we got into because I did, I got to, I got to shift up our day somehow here. Uh, so if, if it, uh, yeah. you know, we can, I, you know, a few weeks ago, um, like a month ago or so before this got really bad, I had, I had seriously considered actually driving up to Portland where I'm from and sheltering in place at my parents' house. My best friend who was in New York was going to fly out and I fly out to the Bay and we were going to drive up to Portland. And I called my parents and told them this idea and they were like, you're an idiot. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, and in retrospect, I was an idiot for even thinking about that. And because I, I just don't think the severity of it had sunk in for me yet. Um, this was like a month ago or so before the shelter in place orders. Um, but now that we have these orders and I'm reading all this stuff, I, 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 I'm not even thinking about, like, I feel uncomfortable about going and seeing friends who live 10 minutes away. So no, you uh, should. And, and I feel like the moral of your story there was Bram was an idiot for considering driving to Santa Cruz. So I'm, I'm glad we were able to get to the end of that. That's uh, my that personal thing. And my personal thing is if you're in the car the whole time, if you're just want to go for a drive and go to Santa Cruz, and maybe grab a bite and go home. What? Like, I, I personally think, like, what's, you know, the big deal in that? that? Maybe I sound ignorant, but I personally think that if you're literally not leaving your car, it, it might not be the worst thing in the world. I could have used you in this argument, but since, you know, other people may be listening to this, we should probably not jump too far down this rabbit hole. Otherwise, you might get arrested. Uh, so <laughs> if you are hearing, do not leave your house. In fact, you should be listening to this podcast in your uh, closet, and for the record, my wife and I and child did not go anywhere today. We'll have more of my conversation with Bram Hilsman right after the break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, so the, the the other part of this, and you kind of touched upon it, Bram, is the you know the fact that they they might want to look into ways to cut costs, and one of the ways they can do that is trading either trading down in this draft or trading out of this draft because. They're going to have a top five pick. Um, they're, they have as good a chance as anyone of having the number one pick. Um, and, you know, everyone wants to have the number one pick in the NBA draft for obvious reasons. But the number one pick is obviously also the the number the most expensive pick. Uh, it, it would be about $10 million next season, um, which factors into the lux, into luxury tax, which would put them further in a hole in that regard. Um, you know, for a guy who, you know, if they get the number one pick, it's looking like they would take Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards is a good player. He's not a bona fide surefire thing at number one. He's not as good of a, of a prospect as you normally see out of someone who's probably the consensus number one pick. He's not Zion um, Williamson or anything close to a Zion like yeah, prospect. He's no Zion. He's no. Uh, he's no uh, Anthony Davis. You know LeBron right. James. He's he's, he's He's more Andrew Wiggins, you know. Andrew Wiggins was a guy who people didn't really have any major qualms with him going number one, but um, obviously he hasn't 
been a all-star. Um, he, sure. I don't, I don't think you can call him a bust, but he hasn't been, you know, Zion or, or LeBron. So um, that that is another factor. Of this I know we have we all have way too much time on our hands. This is going to end up being the most analyzed draft in NBA history, which is funny because it's one of the worst drafts probably. And it's the one that we have the least information about. You're you're completely right, but people are going to be digging into an empty well for extra info. You know, there isn't a whole lot of tape. They don't have a tournament. They're not having a draft camp. I mean, there's just not that much stuff out there. Yeah, so, you know, there's been a lot of talk. Do they trade down? Do they do all these things? And it didn't really occur to me until yesterday when I wrote this story, I was looking at the numbers, and I thought, you know what? What if they just traded out of this draft completely and trade and, and tried to acquire another lottery pick in the 2021 draft? Now, they already have a top three protected pick in uh, from Minnesota that they got in the Andrew Wiggins deal, which arguably was the biggest asset in that deal. I think Andrew Wiggins was a good piece, but you know this 2021 draft is absolutely loaded. Uh, it has the potential to be the best NBA draft since 2003 when LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, all those guys were taken. Um, it's it's going to be a great draft because not only are the the current high school seniors, the guys who will be one and dones, loaded, not only is that draft class really talented, but it could be the first double draft in that, you know, they, they, they there's a good chance that the rule will be changed within the next year so that high schoolers enter and declare for the 2021 draft, right. which would mean the best high school seniors and the best college freshmen are all flooding the same draft. So uh, I talked to one scout recently who told me that there's probably going to be at least a half dozen guys in that draft, in the 2021 draft, who are better than what Anthony Edwards is right now. If you could, I mean, let me let me change that analysis. So as we led up to this conversation, we've been looking at it from an economic standpoint. Let me ask you from an athletic standpoint. If you're Bob Myers, right, you've got this asset right now, this you know possibly number one overall pick, certainly top five pick in the 20 draft, would you trade that to make the team better on the floor, not financially, make the team better on the floor for, let's say, a 10 to 15 pick in next year's draft? Um, here's the thing. You, you obviously don't know exactly what the pick's going to be if you trade with yep. the team. Um, you would need to trade with a team that you know has minimal chance of making yep. the uh, making the playoffs this next season. So sure. uh, let's say they made a trade with Atlanta um, or a team like that. You're probably pretty safe, yeah, yeah. you know, to, to get a lottery pick. But, um, but you don't know what that's going to be. Obviously, trades like this, there's always protections. So – you know, let's say you, you trade with a bad team, but it's top three protected. You know, there's a there's a lot of mitigating factors here. Um, and keep in mind, Minnesota is not going to be very good next season. Right. Um, they are probably the worst defensive team in the league. Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell, as good of scorers as they are, I don't think they're the core of a championship caliber team or even a playoff team for that matter. Uh, but there is a chance they could be bad enough that you don't even get in that draft next year because it is top three protected. So you you got you know the Warriors want to get in this draft. You know they want yeah, to get in. Right. 
Right. No, and I, I, I don't want to gloss over what kind of asset I think the Warriors do have and what they – so when that Wiggins trade um, went down, I was guilty of this. A lot of Warriors fans concentrated only on the bright, new, shiny thing. We wanted to know what Andrew could do and how he'd fit to the team because, you know, he was filling a position in need. But just like you pointed out, you know, that, that asset for Minnesota, if it lands, I heard you, they might be crappy enough. Um, but if it lands with us, could be crazy valuable. And one of the reasons I think that is is because when Minnesota made the trade for D'Angelo, it wasn't necessarily because they thought Russell would make them better on the floor. It's because they thought he would make them better in the locker room, right? They were worried that Carl Anthony Towns was getting disillusioned, that he didn't like where he was. They knew he was best friends with D'Angelo, and they brought his ass in. And, and if that was the reason for the trade and they don't have some big jump next year and we get a top five pick, um, you know, I'm, it's, it's going to be one hell of an asset. As far as the Warriors trading out, I, I would really want to – so this, this is a fan analysis, not me as a podcast host, as a fan analysis. After going what we just went through this last year to, to secure a top five pick, what I really want to hear from somebody is that if they made that trade, if they traded out of this draft to get into the next one, it was because they thought it would give them a better shot at winning the championship. I just don't want it to be for financial reasons. Does that make sense? Completely. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, now what I, it'd be something that would be kind of hard to sell the fan base. It's like, dude, we just, we just endured, that's right. <laughs> the worst, one of the worst seasons in NBA history, one of the worst seasons in Warriors history, you know, a league worst record, and we can't reap the rewards of it this season? Right. Like, we have exactly to wait right. another year? Yeah. But now, the other side of that is, having read your Jalen uh, Green article, look, dude, I'm, I, I understand the talent that is coming in 2021, and would I like to sign up for what sounds like one of five possible franchise players and one-and-done guys? Yes. I mean, there there is yeah. a lot of talent coming up. So, so we're talking right now on Sunday evening. Uh, the Jalen Green profile I did will be dropping Monday morning, so it's it's out by the time you're listening to this. And uh, he, Jalen Green, is a guy out of Fresno, um, but he spent his senior year going to a prep school up in Napa called Prolific Prep. And I went up to to Napa a few weeks ago and spent an afternoon with him and his family and profiled him and. Uh, if you haven't already, go go spend some of your quarantine time watching highlights of him on YouTube. He is unreal. Um, he is a human highlight reel. He is uh, – I haven't seen anyone as special as him at the high school level probably since maybe LeBron. I mean, honestly. I mean, he's that special. People are comparing him to Kobe Bryant. Um, he He's 18 years old, and he already has – almost no holes in his game. He's a freak athlete who's a phenomenal dunker, but can also knock down the mid-range, hit three. Um, he's a good passer, good ball handling ability, can defend multiple positions. I mean, there there aren't a lot of holes in his game. The biggest knock on him when he was in Fresno was that he, was, he didn't have a high motor, and it was because he was bored. Because he was averaging 35 points per game without even trying against Fresno kids. And then he played a national schedule this season against the best players in the country for one of the best teams in the country and averaged 33 points per game on over 50% shooting. 
the rabbit hole I jumped down today, uh, in addition to the elite athleticism that jumped off the screen to the scoring to the basketball IQ that I saw, was his patience. Um, for a kid who's putting up those kind of numbers, I was impressed that he never seemed to be in a rush. He always spent the amount of time he needed to make the right play, and that's not something you always see with kids of his age and his athleticism. You know, even with Zion at that age, there was moments when you were watching him where he looked like a 19-year-old driving a Porsche, you know, where you knew at some point when he harnessed all of those talents and all of those skills, it'd be unbelievable, but he wasn't quite ready yet. You didn't see the skill level being above Jalen's um, mental ability to harness it. So, yeah, man, that, that guy looks pretty impressive to me. Yeah, and, and the crazy thing is, I mean, he's not a consensus number one pick next year. I mean, he, he, he has a very good shot at being the number one pick, but there's so many other good prospects in this draft. Uh, Kate Cunningham, the guy uh, who went to prep school in Florida this year, uh, who's who's going to be going to Oklahoma State. He is the truth as well. There's a guy named uh, there's a guy named Jonathan Cummings. He's the number one. Or Jonathan Kaminga, sorry, who's the number one recruit in the junior class who could be eligible for the draft. Evan Mobley, who's a high school senior right now. Uh, Jalen Johnson, Greg Brown. These are all guys who already look like potential faces of franchises and. Um, well, the Warriors yeah. are going to have a guy in their backyard, Zaire Williams. He just, uh, right. just today, I think, committed to Stanford. Um, yeah, so we'll yeah, have man. kind of a, an inside a glimpse on him, too. Yeah, I'll definitely have to go check out a, a Stanford game next year just, just to watch him. Um, More than but, anything, I just wanted to show you I did a little bit of research for your pods <laughs> and Connor. I mean, do you think I'm the type of dude man. who knows when, like, Zaire Williams I, 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 is signed I, I, up for I, anybody? Full disclosure, yeah. I, I sent – Bram's been really busy with work, and I sent him, like, a long list today of things he needed to do to get ready for the pod, and I felt kind of bad because I, like, knew he had all his work to do. But I was like, hey, so research 2021 draft, uh, read, read this Jalen Green story, I'll do all these things. <laughs> so I appreciate you doing all that. It was my pleasure, and just know, the second I saw the article today where somebody was pointing out that Zaire Williams had just today signed up for Stanford. I was like, uh, I'm going to sound really well-informed. Like, I can't wait to drop that nugget. And it, it all came together for me, Connor. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm proud of myself. It works just, just to play the hypothetical game, I mean, let's say let's say they got number four or five pick uh, next year from Minnesota, and then they trade in the mid-lottery, like 11 or 12. You know, that those two picks, you could maybe trade up to number one with those and take a Kate Cunningham or a Jalen Green. Do you think that they can ask this franchise or this fan base rather to wait one more year? And and would it require that? You know, so I mean, after having gone through this year. The thing year, that's so important is they need that guy who's going to be the face of the franchise to yep. carry them for years after Steph, Draymond, Clay yep. retire. And I'm not I'm not sold that Anthony Edwards is that guy. I think he yep. has a chance. But I know for a fact that Jalen Green and Cade Cunningham both could be that guy. Let me give you a stupid trade um, that was bouncing around my head this morning, and I don't think there's any interest in it, but I at least want to hear your opinion. So this is, you know, this is dangerous information. It's the stuff you learn from social media. But there's a suggestion that there's a growing rift between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert because of the whole coronavirus thing. Who knows if that's true? Um, I certainly am not in a position to quantify it. But I spent some time on ESPN's trade machine. In fact, I'm looking at it 
as we speak right now. My fingers are uh, are going through the possibilities. And what I've plugged in is Kevon Looney, um, whose salary is 4.4 next year, straight up for Donovan Mitchell. They have him since he's on a – he's getting paid 3.6 next year. I can trade Kevon Looney straight up for Donovan Mitchell, at least as far as money is concerned, for ESPN's trade machine. In reality, there's no way Utah is going to do that. But let's say I sweeten it. Let's say I now provide the top five pick that, you know, you and I have been kind of shithousing recently. So would you do that? I mean, as, as a, a Warriors beat writer, do you think that makes the team better? I don't think the Jazz would do that. Um, I honestly think if they if it was so bad that they had to choose between Gobert and Mitchell, they would choose Mitchell. Um, but if for whatever reason they would do that, I would definitely do that, uh, with, without a doubt. I think that the Warriors would probably have to give up the top five pick and the 2021 pick. Yeah. For Minnesota, you mean? Yeah. For Minnesota, for Minnesota. I think they would have to do that. Um, and honestly, I would think about it. Right. I would I would strongly think about it because uh, Donovan Mitchell is a guy who fits their timeline. Yep. He's what, 22, 23? 23, uh, yep. Yeah, he's very young. Um, he, I think he, he fits the Warriors system well. Um, he knows how to play off the ball. Um, he's a smart guy. It doesn't hurt that he's best friends in life with Eric Pascal. Um, <laughs> I... I like that actually. Um, I hadn't, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Um, when what you're saying is, take, I would, t- I think it would take both draft picks and giving up that top potentially top five pick in 2021 would hurt. I mean, like, like we just talked about for a while, that 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 draft is, is loaded. So. I mean, it'd be for all the reasons that Utah couldn't immediately say no if you include that 2021 pick are the reasons why Golden State might not want to include it, you know. Um, But to basically reiterate what you're saying, timeline-wise, Donovan comes in and helps them immediately next year. He's that scorer off the bench. I mean, he solidifies their scoring when Steph's not on on the floor in a way that almost nobody else could. And he also could ascend and be the face of the franchise right when we need it. Uh, so, yeah, I, don't, I mean, and again, who knows if any of the BS about the drama in their locker room is even true. Uh, but I kind of hope it is, and I hope the way Chris Haynes, Chris Haynes reported that, uh, that, they, that he talked on the phone today, uh, Mitchell talked on the phone today with Gobert, and apparently it's not mended yet, but it's on the path to being mended. Oh, that's too bad. Um, that is too bad. We need to start like spreading rumors or something, Connor. You are far more established than me in the. Uh, I shouldn't be talking about media. Donovan Mitchell anymore on this podcast because the last time I did was Scott Osler. I got a call from Jazz PR. So. <laughs> um, well then, well then, never mind, and they can go ahead and just erase this entire segment. Nah, you know, we we were talking about a different Donovan Mitchell. Uh, it, it's weird that, that you guys thought it was the same one. Right, um, but. You know, kind of looking looking forward, uh, do you just generally speaking, do, are you of the mindset that they should hold on to the twenty twenty top five pick? Because I, I talked to you know our friend uh, Wes Goldberg today about this, 
um, who's been on your podcast many times and been on my podcast many times. Yeah. And he said, I just don't I don't see them giving up this pick when, you know, they they A want to have some payoff for immediate payoff for everything they just went through this season and B they they have so much time they they've invested so much in this draft yeah. they probably feel pretty confident about who they like and and they probably do feel like there are a couple guys in this draft who despite the the, the reputation of the draft being weak that can be super helpful um and I, there's good players in every draft I don't want even more uncertainty and let me help um, define what I mean there. Would I trade it? No. Here's why. Um, I've watched this team for 30 years be borderline terrible, Connor. Uh, their their success over the last half decade has been like a fever dream, man. I'm not in thinking this is ever coming back, and if we can squeeze out any last bits of success from this current roster, then I want to do it, and I want to do it right now. So weaponizing that concept to your question if if somebody came to the Warriors and said, hey, we will give you a pick in 2021, we're not sure where it's going to be. We're not sure which players will put themselves all at the top. And I, I know you and I have just talked about who should be at the top, but we won't know, right? So what they're offering is even more uncertainty with a higher upside two years from now for someone who might be able to help them, uh, you know, stretch out Steph's prime Next year, no, I don't want to do that. I want, I want to bring in as much help as I can instantaneously. I hope that they use as much of this trade exception as they can. I hope they use the full mold level or mid-level, and I want to strike while the iron is hot. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the likeliest scenario, but that 2021 draft is just so – enticing to me uh, well i mean i tell you what dude like so if if some of these scenarios that you outlined come to fruition you know like if it actually ends up being big depressing next year and the wires are in like deep in the salary implicate or the tax implications and they're not spending the money we'd like to then you and i need to get together and spend like four or five hours talking about how amazing that 2021 draft is otherwise i'm going to be suicidal so you know i, I, really, know. I, I, I can't wait for the draft to come and i'm kind of annoyed that it could be pushed back just because I got so much flack from people for that report I had last week uh, <laughs> about not being high on Wiseman and Ball and how they would they would take Edwards number one if, if, if they hold on to it and they like Denny and I, I reported all these things and all these people came out and, and said he doesn't know what he's talking about and <laughs> What's going to happen is they're going to if they get the number one pick they're going to take Edwards or they're going to trade down. And I'm going to be standing there being like, "Why didn't you listen to me?" Dropping the mic. You're going to get your moment. You know, just just be patient on it. I'm sure you'll get your moment to flip the bird to everybody who did not recognize your draft dominance. Thank you. I, I know any of my friends. You can understand that feeling. <laughs> oh, thank you. No, thank you. I think they call that a backhanded compliment. And yes, yes, I am a petty SOB, man. So a thousand percent do I understand that. Uh, well, this is a lot of fun, Bram. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Um, you know, we got to make this a more regular thing. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly shocked. This is our first time having you on our on this podcast. I know I've been on yours many times, but uh, thanks so much for taking the time. 
Come on, man. Anytime. It is my pleasure. God knows I am right here. And so if, if I'm not spending my time arguing with my wife on where I can drive during the quarantine, I am down, dude, for sure. Um, and, you know, go Warriors, man. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. Our thanks to Bram Hilsman for joining me on the podcast. It's always great talking Warriors with him. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 